0: Welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. Um, you should, after the last week we gave these out, um, I think we've got a few more left over. If you didn't get one, they are on our website. You can download them. It is kind of the main things I've learned about Lent in the last eight, nine years that I've found most helpful to pass on. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never, um, you know, kind of done Lent as a spiritual discipline, Um, It's not weird, it's super simple, and um, it's really powerful, and it really makes Easter that much more significant, so I encourage you to pick this up and learn about it. I want to just tell you a quick story of um, something that happened this week to me. For the last year, I've really kind of been dealing with a pretty big burden, and I try to lay it down, and then I find I pick it back up. And I didn't know I picked it up. I know you never do this. And so um, on Ash Wednesday, I went to a prayer uh, counseling center for my own private Ash Wednesday. And I was just kind of tired of dealing with this. So I, I, I just, I need uh, help being prayed for. Uh, I'll pray for people all the time, but um, it's nice to have someone lay hands and pray for, on me as well. And so um, it was a really wonderful time. And. Kind of uh, what I had kind of discovered is about a year ago, someone um, said something to me that was a, a, really a curse, and I'm not a hocus pocus, hocus pocus person, but they made a statement about me and about our church and about uh, my gifting as a pastor that really upset me, and I'd been kind of carrying it, and it was just a, it wasn't a blessing, it was a curse, and as I shared that with these people, they said, "Has anyone prayed to kind of cut this curse off of you?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I'm the thinker, but um, no." And at this point, I'm so desperate, I'll try anything. And uh, you know, I'm not—I'm a pastor. I'm not opposed to prayer. So yes, please. And it was this wonderful moment. Um, and I always say, uh, I'm more prone to thinking than feeling. But as soon as they laid hands on me and prayed for me, I felt the presence of God from the top of my head all the way down to my toes. And got this image of Jesus coming to me with this bucket. It was like a crappy orange Home Depot bucket that was super old. I don't know what that means. but. And I heard Jesus say, will you put that junk in the bucket and let me throw it away? And I was like, yes, sir. I would love for you to do that. And the next thing was surprising is I, I um, heard the Lord say, um, I want to put something, hi. I want to put something in place of that. I want to, you know, where you've been carrying this burden and um, curse, I want to put a blessing there instead. And I was like, I like gifts? Sure. And I, uh, I, Heard the Lord say, and the two men who were praying for me heard it as well, which is always fun, that the Lord wanted to give me um, the spirit of gladness. And these guys are all like kind of laughing and smiling, and joking around. And I'm, I'm sitting here like, I'm really struggling with this because it's Ash Wednesday and uh, it's Lent. And you're supposed to walk around like this during Lent. And I just heard the Lord say, I want to give, I heard him say, you're, uh, you've mourned enough, uh, you've grieved enough, I want to give you joy and gladness and F-U-N, fun. And I struggled with that, and I told these guys, I'm really struggling with uh you know, receiving the oil of gladness on Ash Wednesday, and then my congregation is going to be like fasting and praying and mourning for six weeks. And the 70-year-old guy who was there, he said, uh, Drew, um, two things. One, Lent on a basic level is taking off something that hinders your relationship with God, and in its place, taking on something that helps. So, if you're taking off of this curse and this burden and taking on a spirit of joy, that would qualify as a Lenten practice. And he said, second, there's a good chance your congregation has noticed that you've been burdened, and they would be happy to see you happy. So if you've noticed, I'm working on it, and uh, please continue to pray. They gave me this cool gift. Um, They gave me a special vial of anointing oil And um, while everyone else was getting uh, a cross on their forehead with ashes, I got a cross on my forehead with oil. It was pretty amazing. So uh, welcome to Lent. We're going to have fun this season. I'm going to have fun. And um, if you're like, Lent's not for me, I just encourage you on the most basic level, there's something in your life that is hurting your relationship with God. And how could you take it off? And what could you take on in its place that might be helpful? So... That's my 101, my PSA on Lent. Uh, For the next uh, six weeks, we're going to study prayer and live into what it means to be people of prayer, which is always a good thing as a Christian. And uh, probably a good place to start is the Lord's Prayer. Lent is six weeks. The Lord's Prayer has six kind of movements in it. The math works out. There we go. So that's what we're going to be doing. And as a... um, As a uh, practice, for Lent, we are going to, during communion, we always say the Lord's Prayer. But for six weeks, we're going to try our best to say it in Spanish. So you should have one of these. I hope you've been practicing. So at that point during communion, when we do the Lord's Prayer, we will be doing it our best in Espanol. Which means that I'm going to try my best and most of you are going to mumble. One of the reasons why I want to do this, one is I've never learned it in Spanish, but um, also, a friend of mine was a worship leader in Dallas, and like I think months ago in the fall, he um, in their church he did a song in Spanish. He did a worship song in Spanish, and someone came up to him, kind of passive aggressively, and was like, "Sir, why did we sing a song in Spanish? We don't have anyone in our church that speaks Spanish." And he quickly said back, "Maybe we don't have anyone in our church who speaks Spanish." Because we don't sing songs in Spanish. (laughs) I thought that was great. He still has a job, which is awesome. So the Tiff's working on singing some songs in Spanish, so we're going to roll that out soon. And uh, I'd like to learn how to pray in Spanish, so hope you can join me. I want to, um, as we push off the dock on prayer, I want to read a quote, two quotes um, one, this is one of my favorite and most convicting quotes from E.M. Bounds. He says, We are constantly on a stretch, if not on a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency for the gospel. This trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the person or sink the person in the plan of the organization. But people are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men and women. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more in novel methods, But men and women, whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men and women of prayer. Men and women mighty in prayer. And then he says, the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He does not come upon machinery, but on men and women. He does not anoint plants, but people. People of prayer. Ian Bounds wrote that, and when you read that, doesn't it ring true of where our church, where the church is often today? We are looking for better methods, and all the while God is looking for better men and women. He wrote that in the year 1910, 110 years ago. It's one of my favorite quotes. The second quote to kind of frame our time over the next six weeks is Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. He taught them how to pray. In fact, in Luke's gospel, I think it's chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6, he taught them how, but they didn't do it. So in Luke 11, they come and they teach him. They ask, teach us to do it, teach us to pray. Now, if I were the disciples, I would have said, Jesus, can you teach us that water and the wine trick? Because that would guarantee me every invitation to any party. Or you know that thing you did with Lazarus where he was dead for three days and the King James says he stinketh? Like that thing where you just said his name and he came alive? I'd like that. They didn't say that, they said teach us to pray. So the question I would ask all of us, myself included, how do we pray? Do we even pray at all? Some people pray just to go through the motions and prayer for them, and maybe this is for you. You think of prayer and you think of boring machinery, like I can't wait till it's over. Some people pray and they focus on trying to say the right words or the combination of words as if it's a magical incantation and God is a genie and a lamp and you got to rub the lamp a certain way to get him to come out and do what you want. And so you focus on the formula. Some have exchanged praying for just mindfulness and meditation and, and just, I'm not going to pray, but I'm just going to be quiet. I'm a high strung Enneagram 8, and I love and need a good centering prayer three or 12 times a day. But there is a way to do that in a Christ centered way, and there's a way to do that in a secular way. Some have given up on prayer entirely. Our practice of prayer is a direct outworking of our view of who God is. If you've given up on prayer, it's because on some level you've given up on God. If you think prayer is boring, it's because on some level you probably think God is boring. If you think that um, prayer is this magical incantation that you have to get right, then you Think that God is not a generous, loving father who's eager to help. That would be a great question to ask yourself is what's your current view and practice of prayer? And how does that reveal to you what you actually believe about God? Do you believe He's in control? Do you believe He loves you? Do you believe that He's your Abba father, your daddy, or do you believe He's a deadbeat dad? Who could care less? Do you believe that he sees you, that he knows? Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he even exists? Maybe something awful has happened in your life and you've struggled to understand why it happened, and that has put a wall in between you and God because your need for reasoning or purpose is getting in the way of understanding God's heart. It's a real real issue. It's been an issue in my life. I know it's an issue in some of your lives. That's a real deal. It doesn't change who God is. So let's spend the next six weeks studying and practicing and experimenting with and playing and getting into this great pattern of prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that every prayer we pray should and could fit into this template. Not in a dry from lake way. In fact, you could pray without even saying the words, but get into the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, and that will make sense as the weeks go on. So let's read uh, the teaching in which Jesus gives this, which is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. We'll we'll start in verse 7. We'll go to verse 15. If you want to open the Bible app, um, all of our notes are in there. If you go down to the bottom and... Click more and events and all that stuff. You can find it. Let's see, Let's see. Matthew 6. We'll start in verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And other translations say this then is how to pray, not what to pray, but pray this. So in the ESV here, it says pray then like this. It doesn't say pray this. He says pray like this. And When I first came to San Antonio in 2007, one of my chief frustrations with the, the, the culture of San Antonio, which is heavily influenced by Roman Catholicism, is there are a lot of people who knew how to say the Lord's Prayer, but I met very few people who knew how to pray it, and somewhere along the lines, we got into just say these words, and it's a good thing to say the words, and I say the words, but it's a whole other thing to pray like it instead of just saying the words. And then the commentary. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Lord's Prayer has um, six different movements or buckets or turns, and I even look at them as six different prayer requests. We'll put them on the screen for you to see. The first one is... Our Father's name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we're going to focus on today. The next turn is our Father's kingdom. The next, our Father's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. The next is our Father's forgiveness. Fifth is our Father's leading. Sixth is our Father's deliverance. So in any prayer request you have, one way to pray the Lord's prayer is to take that thing you're praying for and ask for his name to be made great through the circumstance that his kingdom would come in the circumstance that he would provide all that you need in the circumstance that he would forgive you and that he would help you to forgive others who have messed up the circumstance that he would lead you in what you need to do next in the circumstance and finally that he would deliver you from the evil one in this circumstance and at the end of it you say well the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and all the glory is yours forever and ever amen right that's one that's a way you can pray the lord's prayer without actually saying it if that makes sense So let's look at the first uh, movement. Our Father, that's one, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There are three different scriptures that speak to these aspects. So because uh, it's Lent and it's a good time to do things new, we're going to read these three different scriptures, but I'm going to have other people read them. So, Big Al, you're first. Where are you at? It's now officially your nickname. This is Alan, Big Al. So, Alan's going to read from Matthew 7, just one verse that references our Father. Go ahead, buddy.
1: Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him.
0: Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, which speaks to who are in heaven.
1: For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite.
0: Psalms
1: 115, one, a great one. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Amen.
0: I love how just in this phrase, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like all the scriptures are pointing to this, this sense of God's our Father. He's in heaven. He's in the high and holy place. And yet he's near to us, which is that great paradigm. And it's about his name getting lifted up, not us. Not to us. It's great. Now, for years studying the Lord's Prayer, I missed one of the most important lessons, and that's the first word of the Lord's Prayer. Is what? Our. Not my Father. As if it's just between me and God. We have this kind of hyper-individualistic view of our faith, and we always say, your faith is personal, but it's not private. The reason why we say all the time, your faith is personal, yes, but it's not private, is because the first word of the Lord's prayer, our. We come in prayer, not with like, okay, you are my own personal God to help all my needs, but we come in prayer saying, like, brothers and sisters, our Father, from a place of family, from a place of community, I'm not by myself. Nor do we say their Father or your Father or the Father, as if God is somehow detached from you and doesn't have a deep connection personally with you. It's not my Father. It's not their Father. It's our Father. Community language, family language. In fact, the whole pattern of prayer is communal. It says, our Father, give us, forgive us, as we forgive those, lead us, deliver us. It's one reason why I want to learn it in Spanish, because we live in San Enfric Antonio, We should know the Lord's Prayer in Spanish. Uh, this is a great story. Um, because anytime we pray and we start with our, we are, we are immediately confronted with our selfishness and our need to defer to one another. My, my kids... Hayden and Grayson 18 months apart a couple of years ago we were driving in the car and we had we've been singing a song in church um, they said you know it's your breath in my lungs you know we'll pour out our parade right we should have sung it today this has an illustration my bad so um, we're uh, we're it's in the car it's on the it's you know it's, it's on the radio or whatever so and then my kids are singing it because they've heard it in church several weeks. And so it was a beautiful moment. It's like I'm almost, almost teared up driving down 281, hearing my kids singing, It's your breath in my lungs. And then Grayson starts singing, It's your breath in my lungs. And then Hayden goes, No, my lungs. And then Grayson, No, my lungs. And then Hayden's like, No, my lungs. And then they're just this beautiful moment was completely wrecked because these two toddlers in the back seat arguing about whose lungs God's breath is in. Our Father. Our Father, right? It's our lungs. And we would expect Jesus to address God as his Father, but for him to say he's our Father is pretty scandalous. For the first century Jew, calling God Father would have been pretty uncomfortable. In the Old Testament, God was rarely viewed as Father. Yahweh was rarely seen as a Father figure. I think it's like one or two times... God is mentioned as father in the Old Testament. It's not as, it's familiar to us today. In fact, this is one of the objections the religious people had with Jesus. One of the reasons why they tore their garments and said crucify him, because they thought he was blaspheming by saying that God was his father. The word he uses here is Abba, daddy. It's an informal, it's an intimate word. I love the word, I love the word daddy. The other day, uh, Hayden, he was calling, and he said, dad, I said, oh, no, I'm not ready for that, Daddy. And then uh, I was doing something, and he was calling my name, Daddy, 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 and I wasn't paying attention. And the little guy goes, hey, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> That's timeout worthy right there. No, 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 I want my kids to say, Daddy. I don't want them to say, Drew. Our Father, our Abba, in heaven, he's in, this, in, in the plane and in the dimension where Father, Son, and Spirit are in charge, where there is no sin, there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no mourning. And he's there, and yet he's near to us. And heaven, is, he brings heaven near to us. He's near to those who are brokenhearted, to the, the lowly, the humble, the contrite heart. Hollywood be your name. Hollywood, a word we don't use much. It simply means to acknowledge, to revere. We live in a a culture where God's name is holy, and yet it's not Hollywood. God's name is always holy. Nothing can change that. But we live in a culture where God's name is a punchline on South Park, or Family Guy, or SNL, or it's a swear word, or it's a precursor to a swear word, or it's something you say when you hit your thumb with a hammer. We live in a time where our Father's name is holy, but it's not respected. How offended would you be if you were at work and someone was upset and they used your spouse's name as a curse word? How disrespectful and dishonoring would it be if someone did that? A disciple's first prayer is that that would not be. Hollow would be uh, thy name, your name. Prayer begins with, with God, not us. So I love that Psalm, not to us. That's why we've added you know, people have added on to the Lord's prayer. Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is because no your kingdom, God, your rule and reign, your power, your strength, your glory, not mine. It's just all like God, we need you, not us. So that's one-sixth of the Lord's Prayer. That's the first section. And what I'd like for you to come away with is Jesus teaches us when we pray to pray these three things. That we pray from a communal posture, our. That we pray as a child of God, Abba. And that we pray worshipful. Hallowed be your name. When you pray... Is that how you pray? I love the first word, our, because in those three letters, the gospel is compressed. In John 1, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When we say our Father That's the gospel in there, that we are his kids. We are adopted as his kids. We're not uh, slaves, we're sons and daughters. We're not servants, we're sons and daughters. That's the good news. So I would encourage you this week to um, take this, look at your life and how you pray. Maybe you don't pray, maybe you pray reluctantly or whatever, whatever maybe there's a couple of questions here um, one is do we pray always to god as abba for such a long time i never prayed to my my heavenly father and it's okay to pray to jesus to pray, pray to the holy spirit you know you, you like they're all it all gets to the same place i think right but i I was comfortable praying to Jesus, Jesus help me, Lord help me, but I never, I never said Abba, I never said Father, and, and it was because on a foundational level, I wasn't sure that God really loved me, I wasn't really, I didn't see myself as a son of God, I, I kind of view myself as, a, you know, a servant of the Lord, which I am, but more than that, I am a son of God. Are there any barriers to you experiencing in relating to God as Father? Honestly, this is probably one of the biggest barriers to prayer is so many of us have been jacked up by our earthly fathers, and those are the ones who really tried hard and were good. I know many of you don't even know your father. Never met him, or he walked out when you were a kid or Whatever. That's a huge barrier. It is. There's no guilt and shame in that. I'm right there. I'm, I'm we all have father wounds in some level. Even people who had great dads still have father wounds. It's a huge barrier to understand the intimacy we have to our Abba when our earthly father clouded it somehow. I've spent five years excavating that in my life. It's painful the freedom's worth it. If you don't know how to do that, if, if you're here, if you were kind of like me, he's like, I've never really prayed to God as Father because that's that's too painful. I don't even know how. Maybe here's a prayer you start with. And uh, I think we have it up here. Yeah, there you go. God, I know that the Bible says that you are my Abba, and that you have made me your child. Help me experience and feel this truth. I'm I'm pretty sure he'd answer that prayer if you prayed it. The third is, do we always praise when we pray? Uh, when you come to God, do you come, as the psalm says, entering his gates with thanksgiving prayer, or do you come just complaining all the time? Yeah. it's good. Well, welcome to Lent. Here we are. Just, you know, some light stuff. Let's pray, Abba Father, we come and we are um, thankful for the lengthening of daylight in our creation and how it is speaking the gospel message to us that the light of the world is on the way. God, specifically in the area of prayer, I ask that you would help us to identify, to confront, to ask for your help in those places that are difficult to come to you in community because of maybe the wounds of other brothers and sisters. Or to come to you as Abba Father, because of the pain of our earthly experience with our earthly parents. Or we have trouble coming to you, wanting your name to be made great because of our pride and wanting our name to be made great. Would we give you the season of Lent? We give you this uh, series of prayer. We, like your disciples, say, Lord, teach us to pray. but I don't know why we go to prayer as the last resort. Would you make us people who go to prayer as the first resort? God, we need you. Father, my friends here who just don't know how to relate to you because of their experience as a child on this earth. God, I pray that you would shine light, that you would overcome, pour out your mercy. Pour out your love. Remove every orphaned spirit that is here. Pour out your spirit in our hearts so that we might look to you and cry, Abba, Father. It is only by your spirit that we can even say it and believe it and feel it and know it and experience it. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way today. Help us to know we are not your bastard children that you are ashamed of. We are your beloved children. We ask this, we pray this in your holy name. Amen.